0: welcome to don't retire graduate the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with purpose and passion i'm your host and valedictorian eric brotman and i have been looking forward to this show i I can't tell you how much fun this is going to be our guest today is bobby rebel bobby is a cfp the founder of financial wellness strategies the author of launching financial grown-ups Live your richest life by helping your almost adult kids become everyday money smart. She's a financial wellness advocate, the host of Money Tips for Financial Grown Ups podcast, and the founder of grownupgear.com. She's also uh, an alum uh, at, from University of Pennsylvania, my alma mater, When I was a freshman, she was a junior and wanted nothing to do with me. We've already decided that Uh, she's a global business news anchor, personal finance columnist at Reuters, and she's held journalist positions all over the place. Every news outlet possible, but she's not been on Don't Retire Graduate yet. So this is a first. Bobby, welcome to the show.
1: I. I am so happy to finally reach this milestone. You know, it's one of those, I know you're going to ask me what I want to be when I grow up, but one of the things as a yeah. guest on this podcast, how's that? Well,
0: and, and look, I, I, I know that this was a, a pinnacle of your career. I'm concerned that um, there may not be any more ups from here. So we'll have to find something to do together. But no. th- this is really going to be fun because um, I, I, I have, I'm very excited to have a copy of your book with me. Um, and it, it is written so much like don't retire graduate and that it's got a sort of a scholastic theme. It's got the prereqs. It's got, Mm -hmm. in fact, I, I, you know, mine was published first. So I'm quite certain that uh, you may have not only plagiarized me, but it's possible. It's possible that this is some weird fan thing that you have for me, but, but nonetheless, welcome, Uh, please tell, tell our audience about your, about your background a little bit and, and how you got to be interested in financial grownups.
1: Well thank you so much and 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 I should say an earlier highlight of my of my early adulthood was of course attending the same university as you and you know being aware that you had arrived as a freshman and you know all the different things that were going to happen in my life that that would follow your successes. So I'm very happy to be in your shadow and following following wow. your path as you as oh. you continue to flourish. So as your star rises I'm so appreciative that you are carrying me along with you. Wow. What was the question, Eric? Oh you oh, about actually me. no, oh, we, okay. I
0: think we can wrap the show up right now. That's everything I wanted. That's <laughs> the soundbite I needed. No I, tell us tell us a little bit about your 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 background and your journey to to not only becoming a, a CFP practitioner, um, but also writing about financial grown-ups and about financial wellness because th- these are things that we we share very much in common.
1: Yeah. So I actually, you know, look, I grew up, I went to Penn, which is interesting. I had, I had wanted originally to go to a school that focused on journalism that shall not be named. But my father, who was a, a Wall Street guy, encouraged me to go to Penn, where of course he had gone. And thus ah. came my sort of convergence between journalism and my interest in, you know, finance and Wall Street. They sort of came together. And while I was at Penn, I had an internship at CNN in business news. And I just got really interested in it. I was sort of a super nerd. I mean, I was the kid that then. Went and took classes on how the Fed worked for fun, and Ooh, technical electives. analysis. Those were your free electives for wow. fun, okay. for fun. This is while I took economics at the Wharton School, um, consumer mm-hmm. behavior, all of these things. I was always very interested mm-hmm. in that, but I was really a journalist. You mentioned my previous jobs. I was at CNBC. Was my first journalism job out of college, and I moved on. I went. I worked at CNN. I worked at PBS. I was an anchor and personal finance columnist at Reuters. So I had all these journalism jobs but always related to money. And it got to a certain point, Eric, where I love talking about it, but very often you're just talking about it in very abstract terms. You're you're reporting what a company earned, but that doesn't necessarily matter to the average person. And I really wanted to make mm-hmm. a move more into talking about money in a way that was going to actually help people on a more specific level, in a way that related to their own world. So even now, when I go on TV, I did a spot just the other day, and we were talking about how the the debt crisis could potentially impact everyday people. How could the Mm -hmm. fact that the government is having this sort of mess, which we've been there before, but if it really gets to the sort of bleeding edge, well, this could actually affect how much you pay for your mortgage because it affects how much everything costs in the United States. It can impact stocks and it can really have this thing where we can't control necessarily in any short term why what's going on in Washington, but it really has this follow on effect. And I've always been interested in talking about how what we can control, what we can't control, but what we have to do to protect ourselves and create financial security for ourselves and for our families. So long story short, left journalism, official official, full-time journalism. I'm still a journalist. I did write my first book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And when I did that, what was interesting, Eric, is when I started doing speaking engagements and talking to groups, they were asking me very specific questions about what they should do with their money. And I'm, quote, just a journalist. I had interviewed experts. Mm -hmm. And I decided, well, if I'm going to get out there and talk about money, and talking about money when you don't know what you're talking about, I love so many financial influences. Many are my financial influencers, I should say, many are my dear friends, but money is dangerous. If you're talking Mm -hmm. about money to people and you don't know your stuff, it is so dangerous and can really ruin people if you give them incorrect information. And I've seen it with financial influencers that don't have credentials. So I decided if I'm going to be out there and I'm going to write more books and I'm going to do more speaking and whether I like it or not, people are going to take what I say as advice. I better know my stuff. So I actually then became certified financial planner only in 2017. So, and I remember you were asking me and and you keep up your credential. I'm like, yes, and I love doing continuing education because I'm a super nerd. So I love learning about the different products that are evolving, the way that the laws are changing, the way that it's always fascinating how different things that the government does is sort of secretly aimed at changing our behavior, right? Or adjusting, reacting to things that we're doing. So I'm fascinated by it all.
0: Well, not even secretly, overtly. Um, so so you, you've, you've thrown a lot out at me and I want to sort of digest this in pieces because first of all, I consider most financial media to be, um, sort of financial porn, um, you you know, and watching, Mm -hmm. watching some of those shows and and I'll pick on CNBC, but, but simply because watching that is so unhealthy for you and most of it doesn't matter to you at all. Um, and there's a yes. great deal of difference between personal finance for Main Street and financial talking head wonks for Wall Street, and they are not the same. Um, and arguably, we could argue that the the game is rigged um, against the average individual, not to go conspiracy theory or anything, but we, we could do that. I love the fact that you've taken the approach that if I'm going to be an influencer, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. Because I happen to think that most of the biggest influencers in our space, uh, I agree with you, most of them don't. They're very entertaining. They sell a lot of advertising. Mm-hmm. People want their their T-shirt, but they're not necessarily dispensing anything other than entertainment. And when you start talking about personal finance, people assume it's going to be boring. I'm a fellow money nerd. Um, I took business statistics at Wharton as an elective um and don't know why i put myself through that in retrospect but at the time it seemed like a good idea um and you know i i love the way that that money works and i love to help people figure it out because there it is nuanced and it is important um so so let's talk a little bit about your your book and then i know you've started a brand new financial wellness uh organization a company that is literally launching it's it's not every day i get breaking news but this feels like breaking (laughs) news so we're going to talk about that too but but first, the book because it, it is set up in a way that is um, extremely accessible and um, absolutely, in my in my opinion, it's very authentic. It's an easy read. It is a uh, an informative read. There's nothing boring about it. You used a sense of humor um, that 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 and and you quoted some folks and I love the the quote from our our mutual acquaintance friend uh, Gene Chatsky. When she said uh, something about her 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 son said, "You know what I love is making money and what I don't love is paying taxes." And it's like, well welcome to adulting. Um, just great stuff so yeah. um, but but you you have all kinds of, of popular references in here references to to um, well-known people, references to movies, references to to life that makes this so accessible. Um, how, how did you get the idea to structure? the book this way, because it does feel like a sort of mini curriculum, um, which is with uh, which is something that our audience is highly familiar with, because it's the way that I try to communicate. How did you decide to do it that way?
1: So I have to give credit to my book agent. It originally was not scheduled. It wasn't that way, and that was actually her idea. Full disclosure, huh. um, the concept wow. for the book was actually, yeah, she had that idea. Um, and then and that's how we did it that way. Um, we had electives and we had, we, I don't know uh-huh. that we did extra credit, I forget. I don't think so. We do have, definitely have electives no. and graduate no, you studies. Ex- you ex-missions. do four years of college. We do admissions. You did four years yeah. of college. Mine is prerequisite, um, then the yep. core curriculum extracurriculars and then Uh graduate and and then admission. So it's a little bit different. Um, The book was actually inspired by, I have a blended family and Mm -hmm. I have stepchildren that are now adults at the time. They were almost adults when this was written because we know that books have sort of a long cycle. And um, they were good kids. They were earning money. They were showing up for all the things they're supposed to be doing. And yet when I tried to talk to them, specifically about the everyday money tasks that you have to do it as adults. I was just kind of getting, yeah, yeah. I tried to get them to set up a Roth IRA. They always said yes, and then it just didn't happen. And I said, Mm -hmm. I can't be the only one having this problem. And I know more about money than most people. So if I'm having trouble, maybe other people are too. And that, in fact, was the case when I sort of, you know, soft, um, tried to sort of soft sell it to people and said, you know, what do you think about this concept um, that we have sort of, you know, did, done our young kids a, a disservice or young adults a disservice because we've moved from helicopter parents to concierge parents where we're sort of there to, you know, be available to solve their problems at all hours, often with money. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really feel this urgency to do the things that we were doing. I know you talk a lot about growing up as a Gen Xer and how we were sort of mm-hmm. left on our own. But the good thing about that is we sort of decided to be self sufficient. We figured things out. We made mistakes, but they got done. The fact is, we have gone the other direction and we have really overly helped our young people to the point where they kind of know we're going to be there for them and we are so they're not necessarily doing the things they need to do so it's really important to empower them not just give them the information but also let them know that they're competent um it took a lot to finally get the kids to do the roth iras and it's actually complicated one did one didn't which is a kind Mm. of a uh a tease to the book is why one didn't, and she made the argument to me why she shouldn't, um, and why she did did things differently. Um, uh-huh. But it was interesting. And the book has a lot of parenting experts and financial therapists, in addition to money experts like Gene Chatsky mm-hmm. that you mentioned, and David Bach wrote The Forward, which I'm so proud of. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyone um, mm-hmm. that hasn't read David Bach's books should absolutely do so.
0: There's there was a, a a statistic in the book that said something yeah. like seventy nine percent of yeah. uh, of adults in this country are helping their adult or grown children financially in some way seventy nine percent, which yeah. does mean we twenty eight
1: percent would hit up their retirement accounts.
0: Oh man! I mean, I, I've see, we, yeah. we've seen lots of folks who spend so much money on their kids' education that they can't in fact retire with dignity themselves. Um, And, you know, you do tend to, we all want to put our kids first. And this is one of those areas where it's really a mistake in most circumstances. But, but I, you know, the, the movie reference that I go to is, is Billy Madison, you know, the Adam Sandler movie where he he has so much money that he sits by the pool all day and does nothing. And and of course the movie's not for all ages. So don't go out and watch that with your kids, (laughs) but, but nonetheless, it's, it's, You can ruin your kids with money and and doing the right legal and trust and estate planning, doing the right philanthropy, teaching your kids the value of money is so important. And it's so complicated, partly because most adults don't know it well enough to teach it, much less to even exhibit the behavior. Where where does this begin? Because financial literacy education in schools really isn't happening. And where it is happening, it's sort of done halfway. It's not great. How do we teach people about something this complicated and this important?
1: Well, you you point out all the most important things. And what's been interesting is after a book comes out, people come up to you and they start confessing to you and telling you things that they wouldn't tell anybody else. And so many parents have come up to me and said, but I don't know enough about money to teach my kids. And my answer Mm -hmm. is, you are the stakeholder. You got to get it together, right? Because at the end of the day, even if the schools were doing a, a good job, which In most cases, they are not ultimately the schools, no matter how well intentioned are not stakeholders in your family's future. And the best gift you can give your kids is your own financial independence later in life. They can figure it out. They can get themselves out of debt. They can get loans. They'll get jobs. They'll earn more. They'll get it together. But if they have to support you, you're never going to get over that. So that's really the ultimate gift. And what I tell parents is that being the ultimate stakeholder, you need to, Step up, take responsibility, and guide your child through what they need to know to set them up. It's not just about competence; It's also confidence. Let them know Mm -hmm. that you believe in them. Be there. If they come to you with a financial problem, don't say, here's the solution. Say, let's brainstorm what kinds of things could you do to find Mm -hmm. a path forward.
0: Let's talk about student loans a little bit. Because of all you talked about the government, it's certainly a hot button issue of are are these going to be paid off for folks and so forth. But but let's go back to the point where you have a 17, 18 year old young person. I I won't say kid, but I I can't say adult either. So let's go with young person. Mm -hmm. And they're making huge financial decisions, often in a vacuum without understanding the, the, the ramifications of those decisions with almost no, no guidance. And they're being offered loans that five years later, a bank would laugh at them if they came for a loan to start a business. But if they wanna go get a, a liberal arts degree here, have all the money you want. It is a bizarre thing to me that that, that continues. Where do we, how do we fix student loans? Um, and, and how do we get kids to think about what it means to be a hundred grand or more in the hole when you start your financial journey, because that's it's like building a skyscraper and starting with with something subterranean.
1: Yeah, it's this is something that I think is really weighing on young people, and really. Um, taking the focus away from what they should be focusing on, which is starting their lives um, with a clean slate. So I think it's important for parents to communicate to their children what they're taking on, maybe open the kimono a little and say, look, we are not going to be able, you know, here's what we can do, here's what we cannot do, and let's make the smart choice. I also think it's important um to, you know, have some systemic changes in the way that we finance education, many countries do it differently. So that is something. Another thing that's that's been happening, which I think is interesting is corporate America. There's new legislation happening where we can allow kids that are paying off their student loans to also have their company match that yes. in terms of retirement. So, we don't have the situation as they move forward where they're so busy paying off this debt that they're also delaying saving for retirement. So, that's actually a little bit of progress. It's going to be a couple of years, I think, before that kicks in. You probably know better than I do, but it's important yeah. to open their eyes, let them understand what's going on, let them understand that whether they feel like adults or not, this is a very grown-up decision and to tread carefully um, and make the best choices. I mean, a lot of schools will give merit scholarships. There's um, one of the people in my book, I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, is Ron Lieber and he wrote a book called The Price You Pay for College. And I highly recommend it because what it does is it shows us that the price we pay for college is not only tied to need-based financial aid in terms of grants and loans, it's also tied to how much the school wants your kid. So Mm -hmm. this is a bit of a puzzle for many parents, but you can actually go to schools and say, well, my kid, we may not qualify for traditional student aid, but my kid would be a great asset to your school. He's got other choices. She's got other choices, whatever it may be. What can you do for us? Can you work with us? Because there are, they call them merit scholarships, but the truth is, I think they're kind of like marketing budgets for these schools because they want the best and brightest kids to come to their schools. And so this is a tool that many schools are using to recruit and retain and get higher yield rates. Is that, I'm not sure I phrase that correctly. And that's something that parents should be very savvy about and really use to their benefit. Do you know I much mean, about parents that?
0: Have, well, parents have been yeah. shopping financial aid offers for for a long time Right, but this is different. School, this is, I, this I know is it not is, so.
1: financial aid. Yeah,
0: correct. So on the financial aid side, it's, hey, school B offered us this and school A, we'd like to come mm-hmm. here, but you need to match the offer. This is along the lines of saying, this is what we're willing to this is what we're willing to spend and you're going to want this deal it's almost it's almost putting the shoe on the other foot and some schools have acceptance rates at 80 and 90 percent i mean at some point Mm -hmm. is 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 your building on fire I, I hear I hear sirens as you're building you're in New York City aren't you
1: uh oh I am in New York City yes there okay. are well, there that's, are fire si- sirens that's outside, fine. So no, we that's, can cut that's that out maybe but no in New York should, city
0: that's the cacophony of <laughs> we of, can leave it in. of Manhattan we can leave it right there so so but you talk yeah. about how you can negotiate. Uh, and you can negotiate for, for education for your kids, particularly if they're strong students and if they've done some things. You know, when, when you and I were applying to schools, it was important to be involved in everything. It was about having diverse resumes. And so we would have, we'd be in 10 clubs or 10 hobbies. Today, it's about being really great and really uniquely awesome at one thing which is a very different model now for kids. In fact, we've done I, I was on a show recently about college savings and specifically how to get kids into schools. And it, it, the game has changed from when we were from when it was our turn. Uh, I don't want to say how long ago, but a long time ago. <laughs> so there's that. You also mentioned the, the saving for retirement while paying student loans. Some companies have been offering that for a number of years. It's now going to be part under Secure Act 2.0. It's now going to be part of the deal across the board. But there have been employers who have been doing that for a number of years where um, they were allowed to essentially make the matching contribution to a 401k or a similar plan for an employee if that employee demonstrated that the uh, amount they were paying in student loans was a large enough percentage of their gross income for the course of the year. So they had to demonstrate, number one, that 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 was the payment requirement, and number two, that they made the payments. But then the match would happen. So at least they would still get something uh, in their retirement plans. So let's shift gears. You have a brand new venture happening and i i know we have the the first screenshot of the website i don't know that anyone's seen this yet or if they have it's been it's been your your test group so this is this is great i love yes. everything everything about this site makes me think financial therapy um and i i don't know that the, so so just it makes me feel comfortable um it makes me feel good. feel good and then workplace financial wellness um and mm-hmm. and generational wealth retention are two things that we spend an enormous amount of time on here as a firm and in working with with corporate clients and with their employees. So where did this business uh, concept come from? And, and give us a sneak peek as to what's coming.
1: Yeah, so this came from the book being out there and talking to so many people about what is important to them and what's missing right? Because Mm -hmm. they feel lectured to very often that they have this to-do list. It's very stressful. You have to do this, this, and this, and they don't know where things are. And, you know, very well intentioned people in human resources have automated many things, which is great, but they're just kind of sent a link and then they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. when to do it. And most importantly, how to not just feel completely overwhelmed and then not do it. Add to that, people come up to me. They're so worried about all the layoffs happening. They're worried about, they, you know, we just talked about Secure Act 2.0. What does that mean? I don't understand it. And they want a Mm -hmm. human to talk to. So it's, it's set up to be a high touch experience where I go into companies and I talk and work with employees. This is the workplace wellness about Mm -hmm. how to manage their life, not just going through the checklist, but how to, you know, what are your coping skills while this is going on? Because you're showing some, some, we have in the screen recording, you're showing some statistics, but the majority of employees feel stressed about money at work. That's a Mm -hmm. PwC statistic. So how do you, maintain productivity well you've got to figure out if right. they're distracted they're not productive so we've got to figure out they may have debt that's not going to be paid off for years let's say in the scenario we're talking about they're they have student debt they're stressed out okay number one we have to actually take action and teach them let's set up a payment program so you can say yes it's going to take you this amount of time to pay it but it will be done and all you have to do is nothing just keep the automation and it mm-hmm. will be paid off right you feel Mm -hmm. better already. And then what are the coping skills that we can use so that you can sleep at night? Is it a meditation app? Is it just having more knowledge about about interest rates and how things work? I mean, we've joked about being money nerds. I feel a lot of calm when I understand what's going on with Mm -hmm. my money when I understand how different things work and why something is happening, right? So understanding the consequences and the benefits of the action that you're taking. And then the separate part, the generational wealth retention, that Mm -hmm. really came more directly from the book because people have come up to me and said, I'm interested, but my kids just aren't. How do I get them Mm -hmm. interested? And then the wealth advisors say, I've got these clients. They're great clients, but I can't seem to connect with the next generation. In many cases, it, it is true that sometimes the younger generation isn't interested, but I'll tell you what's coming out is the parents. They think they are inviting the kids along, but they're not. They're not Mm. really making the kids feel like, this is your future. You may have to take care of me one day, by the way, including Mm -hmm. take care of my finances. You need to be proactively involved in understanding what's going on with money. Even if you are not the primary right now, I need you to come to the meetings. Let's say maybe you don't have to come to the monthly meetings. Maybe come to the quarterly meetings. I want you to have the direct phone number to my financial advisors. I want you to get the statements too, so that you understand what is going on. And by the way, this is something that my own father did for his children. He said, this is where my resources are and I need you to know the money managers. And I, you don't have to come every time, but you're going to come some of the time. And I'm going to discuss it with you. Even though you may not, you know, part of me goes, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anything about any future, you know, that doesn't involve my entire family. I don't want to cry, but it's hard. It's really hard and it's emotional. And sometimes the wealth manager doesn't want to necessarily have these conversations or can't make headway with the older generation because they want control or they don't think the kids are ready, but the kids Mm. have to be ready to some extent, even if ready just means knowing who to call and knowing that it's that something's there for them. And I think there's a huge role for financial advisors in this. I think this is the perfect area for a third party. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting statistics that people will find on my website, which is uh, right now evolving still, but we've got the basics up there. So it's financialwellnessstrategies.com. You will see that 50% of the next generation is willing and open to working with their parents' financial advisors, but only 20% have ever met them
0: What a missed opportunity
1: Mm -hmm. for both sides, right? We've got to get those meetings started. We've got to figure out why, in many cases, the parents are resisting and why the kids are not more motivated to understand the importance of of just being in the loop and educating themselves. And then ultimately, it's not optional. People think, oh, I'll just let them take care of it. You've got to, at the very least, know what's going on. You don't have to get into the, the absolute granular everything. You've got competent third party financial advisors that are going to do that. but you need to take the time and force yourself to be walked through the key elements and understand so that you're all on the same page.
0: So so Bobby, both of these areas are things that um, we we share a passion for both of them. it's It's kind of a remarkable thing to have this sort of in my face because it's things that I've been preaching and talking about. So the corporate financial wellness, we have landing pages yeah. around that and specifically have done mm-hmm. this for for companies. and what we find, is that companies don't want their employees distracted. They do want them to have some calmness. You can't get it from HR. In fact, HR in a lot of cases, it's not legal for them to advise you on anything. All they can do is point you to the right link or the right resource, which is only so helpful to your point. I remember I got my first job out out of Penn at Lake Mason and got handed the employee benefit book and immediately did what most young people do, put it off to the side and then said, Oh, I got a deadline. And then talked to my father who gave me horrendous advice about what to choose. Cause it would have been right for him, but not for me. And I, I don't blame him for that. It, it, he wasn't equipped for that discussion. So, Um, But but on this side, when we meet with employees, it's unbelievable how many don't understand, for example, the basics of an HSA or the basics of how a 401k or Roth 401k can can impact them. Or they don't have beneficiaries named on anything or don't have basic legal documents or um, are, or are, are making decisions largely unarmed and in a vacuum. And so it's become very, very helpful to the employees and the employers love it because it means that they're getting someone um, to advise them. So I, I love that you're that you're making a push toward that. Um, and then the, the other piece of that is the multi generational. You know, firms like to say that they do multi generational planning. One of the deliverables that we give every client is a family tree and we have a legacy client program. And a lot of our clients actually pay initially to have their kids get financial plans and they work with someone other than a senior principal. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't want my, my parents' advisors, but I loved building a relationship with my own advisor at that same firm, you know, using the younger associate at the law firm or using the younger accountant at the accounting firm. Uh, you know, we have, we have millennial and gen Z planners here who speak millennial and gen Mm -hmm. Z I'm the old guy. They don't want me. You know, and, P- and, and, and by the way, I don't want my parents doctor either. Like you want somebody who's going to be mm-hmm. around a, you speak the same language. You've had some common experiences and B you want them to be around when you have to make some of the big decisions. And if your advisor's 30 years older than you, it's a problem because they're not going to be there. They'll either be retired or deceased. Um, you're, you're much better off working with a contemporary who, who can identify with you. So you're, you're absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, your your new venture is is hitting all the right notes, both for the financial advisory community and for corporate America and employees. And I, I give you incredible kudos for for tackling two really important subjects simultaneously, uh, while while still keeping your day job uh, and still doing <laughs> all of the all of the things that you're doing. Because I you know I, I had the the privilege of being a guest on your show recently, and um, the the things that you're doing just below my mind. Like I, I, so, so I know, I know you, it was a career goal to be on don't retire graduate, Well, I tell you, it's, it's mutual. The respect is fully mutual. And so it was, it was great to be on on your show too. So I have to ask you now, because we're, we're at that time, what you want to be when you grow up and I can't wait to hear this, this, I'm, I'm going to just pass the popcorn. I'll be right here.
1: You know, I think that I, 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 I'm going to give you the sort of boring answer, but career wise, I always wanted to be a storyteller and I hope that I still am. I always wanted to be someone that was intellectually curious and was able to share my discoveries with the world. It was in the form of journalism earlier in my career, and now it's evolving um, with this new bill with this new business, financial wellness strategies, but always to make information accessible both for myself and for other people. And I know that's not probably the conventional answer that you get, but, That's
0: my best answer. Every answer is always evolving. Well, and storytelling is important. I mean, think about think about how cultures have changed over the last uh, centuries. It used to be that the senior most members of any community had the biggest tents. They had the they were the ones revered. They got to make the biggest decisions. You went to your elders to get the right advice. And today we put our elders out to pasture like they're no longer useful. And that started with mm-hmm. that started with Otto von Bismarck deciding that retirement was something we subjected people to, and and literally made them give up their jobs because they were no longer functional. But you know, I, I, we don't we don't leverage the experience and the wisdom of uh, of generations and the storytelling that they can do. And I am not putting you in the elder category, I swear. Um, but <laughs> being a storyteller, as we get older, we have more stories to yeah. tell. Half of my employees were not alive, for example, at nine eleven which is hard for I me know. to it's hard for me to even fathom that they that that, that yeah. the, something that changed our world so much is is no different yeah. to them than than you know than D-Day or or Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't yeah. resonate because yeah. you didn't live through it. And so and the next generation will not believe that COVID happened. At least let's hope <laughs> in the way that it did. Wow. Let's hope that's not but but you know the fact that my daughter spent yeah. and our kids spent 2 years mostly online and having a totally different experience than the fact that some college kids spent a year or two not being able to have that experience or seniors miss their proms or their senior seasons or whatever it is it's it stinks but it's yeah. also a story mm-hmm. that will be told for generations that will sound like how did that happen like what do you mean so i love your i love your grown up plan and I suspect it's one of many. I suspect that you will tackle that one. So so I want to know for sure what the extra credit assignment is. And and I, I think first of all, if if people don't don't get this book, they're making a mistake because I already love it and I can't wait to first of all, it, it arrived unsigned, which is very hurtful. I thought they would have been I thought I, you know, I was willing to pay a premium for your autograph and everything else. But no, it's it's wonderful, so I hope folks will do that. But what other extra credit assignment is out there for folks who can take one nugget of, of wisdom or advice from today's talk?
1: I think people should continue to educate themselves and to educate everyone that they care about, especially the financial stakeholders in their lives about money. And one way, one great way to do it, by the way, is by listening to podcasts like ours. I think that's really important. You mentioned that a lot of, you know, the stuff on CNBC, which is is, sure, watch CNBC if you want, but for your real financial advice, think about who you trust, who's um, qualified. Um, Influencers can be entertaining. They're not necessarily Mm -hmm. wrong, but really look at the qualifications and vet who you're listening to when it comes to real financial advice, not just entertainment, Mm have mm-hmm. conversations then about that information. So one thing, my, my son who's 15 now, we used to listen to Business Wars when we were driving. Um, mm. during the pandemic, I had to drive him around a lot to different things because we just, you know, there wasn't public transportation and stuff. And we started listening to business Wars, and we would start having conversations about, you know, Tesla versus General Motors or, you know, whatever the different things were. Mm-hmm. I was Best Buy versus I think it was Circuit City or something different things that came up on business Wars. So, you know, listen, listen to, to your podcast and then discuss, you know, with your, the people that you care about with the financial stakeholders in your life, which include your children, your parents, and anyone that that has financial ties to you, your business partner, um, maybe your maybe your boss, maybe your underlings a little bit, but everyone that that you know mm-hmm. connects to you through a shared interest in in money and and prosperity, and have those conversations about the content that you're consuming. That's my extra credit assignment. That, that is that is a good a one, gra- Eric? Did That's I do a okay? Great, that,
0: you, you nailed it. Okay. That's a great assignment, <laughs> and I, and I hope folks will do it because there there is a lot of information out there, and there's also a lot of noise. And being able to yeah. determine the difference—it's—it's it's harder and harder. I mean, the, the messaging that we're getting—if you're getting your news from TikTok, it's probably not a good thing. You, you know, like there's, yeah. there's a time and place for everything, but finding reputable sources and then getting good information—super important. Where can folks check you out? I know we we showed the the websites, but um, what is the best way for our audience to fall as as much in love with your work as I have?
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, all of my, first of all, you can always write to us at hello at com. That's a good email if you want to be in touch right away. Um, the website is Financial Wellness Strategies and you can you know, also get to us through the contact page there. If you do want to learn more about me, my personal website is bobbyrebel.com, B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L.com. If you want to learn more about Eric, you can listen to my podcast, which is Money Tips for <laughs> Financial Grownups. Um, he's got a a great episode coming up, and I think the social media for me, the, the probably the best one to follow is my Instagram, which is Bobby Rebell and the number one. Um, and then I, I am actually I, I do post some clips from my TV appearances on TikTok, so those can be hopefully a little bit entertaining and connects with me, of course, on LinkedIn as well. So and that's just under Bobby Rebel, and actually I throw up my married last name, which is Kaufman, on uh, LinkedIn. So that's Bobby Rebel Kaufman on LinkedIn, and I would just love to connect with people that share common interests. So thank you.
0: Well, I, I, we will put as much of that as we're able in our show notes. <laughs> there are lots of ways to find you. Um, I know that, I know that you and I are just getting started on, on something because I, I can just feel the, the synergies and the different things we could do together. So thank you for being on the show. This was a pleasure and uh, always good to see you and always good to hear about your exciting new stuff.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. You do such a great job.
0: I'd like to thank all of you for watching and listening today. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us a message or leave comments at DontRetireGraduate.com or on social media. If you enjoyed our show, don't keep it a secret. Share it with family and friends so they can join you on your journey to financial freedom. And please leave us ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast platform. They are priceless to us. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Broppen, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Don't Retire, Graduate is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.